Okay, let's turn uh, in, uh, let's turn in the Word to Hebrews 4 and just hold it there for a minute. Um, today, we're going, this is a Believers Meeting, December 12th, 2020. Today we're going to talk about the rest of faith. The rest of faith. And in our last meeting, we talked about words that work. We looked at three scriptures in Hebrews concerning our confession of faith. Uh, we saw that the word confession, there in the, here in the New Testament, means to say the same thing about or to speak the same together. And one of the quickest and most effective ways to get the Word of God down in your heart is to hear yourself speaking it. This is a God's principal way of transferring His faith to us. And uh, it's by hearing ourselves speak God's Word. The confession of the word renews your mind where you begin to think what God thinks and you begin to see things the way God sees them. And it becomes your conviction. When you, when you get the word in your heart, then you're not just repeating what you heard somebody else say. It becomes your conviction, your persuasion. And, and you get to a point where now you're releasing faith in your words. We looked at 1 Timothy 6, 12, uh, laying hold on eternal life, having confessed a good confession. And we saw that the fight of faith is to wrap your arms around the word of God that you're declaring and not let the devil talk you out of it. Uh -huh. Can they hear you okay? Because I know my mom said she couldn't hear you very well. When she joined us last time. Are you yeah. hearing me okay? Yes, yes, thank you. Yeah. Yes. Okay. okay. I, I turned so it. It's all about doing stuff. Okay. Okay, good. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, it's okay. Yeah, I'm hearing too. Yeah, good. Okay. Uh, so we, we're, we're just doing a little quick review of what we talked about uh, last meeting. Uh, and we saw that through Adam's sin, man lost the ability to put spirit life in his words. And Satan gained access to our mouth, influencing our speech uh, to say things that we don't want to come to pass. And in this way, he has been able to hinder our ability to release faith in our words. We saw that the way to get words to work for us and not against us is to put God's words in our mouth. We talked about meditating and thinking on a portion of scripture, uh, thinking about it throughout the day, just keeping it in, in your mind, mulling it over, speaking it to yourself. Sorry, I've left my bag in the car. To prosper uh, our soul and to bring our soul into agreement with our spirit man. We talked about idle words. Uh, Jesus talked about idle words, and idle words are words that usually contradict God's word, 
and they give place to the devil. Uh, we looked at the evil report of the ten leaders of Israel who went to uh, survey the promised land. They came back and they brought an evil report. And we saw how their words condemned them. Uh, and as a result, that whole generation, everyone uh, 20 years old and above, lost out on their inheritance. They, they lost out on being able to enter the promised land. And only Joshua and Caleb of that whole group were the only ones who uh, actually entered uh, their inheritance. So we ended our last meeting talking about this first generation of Israelites. So here in uh, Hebrews 4, uh, we're going to kind of take it up there uh, because this, in Hebrews 4, it's addressing this first generation of Israelites that came out of Egypt. Uh, so we're going to take it up here today. Hebrews 4, verse 1. Uh, I'm going to be reading some from the New King James. It's not all that different. Uh, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Now, we don't know exactly who wrote the book of Hebrews. There's no agreement on it among Bible scholars. Uh, some believe Paul, some say maybe Barnabas or Apollos, various uh, opinions on that. I heard, um, I think it was Charles Cap say his thoughts were, um, if Paul did write it, that he, he deliberately left his name off of it because the Jews so hated him that he knew they wouldn't read it if they saw his name on it. <laughs> so that, that's Charles Capp's theory. Uh, but there are various opinions about this, so we don't know exactly who wrote the book of Hebrews, but the writer here uh, in these uh, verses, he talks about the gospel was preached to us as well as them, but the word they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith. So when he talks about them and they in these verses, uh, they're referring to this first generation of Israelites who came out of slavery in Egypt. And we ended our last meeting talking about them, how they did not mix faith with what God said about entering the land, and they brought up this evil report, which was contradictory to what God had said. Um, and they failed to enter, uh, they, they died in the wilderness, and they failed to enter this land, which was their inheritance. And God had uh, ordained from the foundations of the world that they possess this land and enjoy it. Now for the Israelites, um, the promised land was a geographical location called Canaan. It was a place of abundance, blessing, peace, and rest. 
as New Testament believers, it says in Hebrews 8, 6, that we have a better covenant with better promises. So we should be walking in joy and peace, divine health, and total prosperity. Our promised land is not a geographical location. It's a type of victorious living now in this lifetime in the promises and through the promises of God's word. Uh, our promised land is a place of resting in God and resting in faith. So let's say this together. When you are in faith, you are in rest. Amen. So we, as New Testament believers, we should not be as anxious and as scared as our unsaved neighbors. Amen? Amen. Uh, the word rest uh, here uh, in these verses means to still, to restrain, to cause one striving to do something to desist. So it's the opposite of striving, it's the opposite of straining and, and uh, striving to make something happen. Uh, verse 3. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. So he is comparing this place of rest to the Sabbath rest that God took at creation. Um, in we won't turn there right now, but in Genesis 2.1, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Now this word rest in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word Shabbat. And this is where we get our English word, Sabbath. Uh, it means just what it says, to stop, to rest, to cease, or to end. Uh, in the wilderness, God gave his people, this first generation in the wilderness, He on the sixth day, he gave them a double portion of food so that they did not need to work and go out on the Sabbath to gather it in. So uh, the Sabbath was a place, was a, t a day of rest. So on the day before, God would give them double the amount of food to carry them over so they didn't have to go out on the Sabbath and, and toil and work together in their food. So the Shabbat, or the Sabbath, is the day when all work ceases and Israel rests and meditates on the glories of God's creation just as God rested on the first Sabbath. And uh, today, the Jewish people who uh, observe, you know, the Sabbath, the Shabbat, uh, they're all different kind of uh, levels of, of uh, uh, recognizing this. 
and, and uh, keeping the Sabbath. Some, of course, some secular Jews don't keep it at all. They just live like everybody else. Uh, then you've got really extreme people who, uh, you know, much like the Pharisees in Jesus' day, they will not even get up and go turn the light on in a room because that's considered to be work. So, um, you know, the Pharisees uh, jumped on Jesus, you know. They said, well, the man's not supposed to carry his mat on the Sabbath and so forth. So you have these extremes of keeping the Sabbath among the Jewish people. But God rested on the, uh, the Sabbath. So if you go back and you read Genesis 1 and 2, the account of creation, you see that God was very specific in the way that he created. When it came to the plants and animals, God said, let the earth bring forth grass. Let the, earth, let the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind. So God created the plants and animals fully developed, fully grown. God has never created another blade of grass. He has never created another cow. He created them fully developed with the ability to reproduce themselves. So God anticipated sin and everything that could happen in a fallen world. And nothing that's happened has ever taken God by surprise. God knew exactly how many people were going to live on this earth. He knew exactly how much resources it would take to sustain life here until he comes back. Uh, the only shortages on the earth are man-made shortages, and these are manipulated by wicked and greedy men in order to drive the prices up and make the globalist elites wealthier. So what I'm trying to say is, man is not going to destroy this earth, much like all these environmental radical uh, people with a, uh, and all these secular organizations that have an agenda to drive. Uh, man is not going to deplete all the resources on this earth. Not, uh, it, it just isn't going to happen. Now on day six, man was created and man was the crown jewel of God's creation, created in uh, the likeness and image of God. Uh, it goes on to say um, in verse 2, Genesis 2, 2, on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. The reason God rested is because he was finished. He had completed creation. That's why he rested. Creation was complete. Like uh, an artist who has finished a masterpiece and he's applied the last stroke to this painting and he says, that's it, 
I'm done. And he lays his brush down. Uh, or like a lawyer in court who says, I rest my case. Yeah. That means uh, he shared everything. He's finished. He hasn't left anything out. Now, in the same way God completed creation, uh, God made us as born-again believers a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, the word new here means fresh or unused. And it means new in regard, in regard to form or quality rather than new in, re, in reference to time. So it means new in regard to quality or form. Just like the original creation, God made us complete. Your spirit is as perfect and complete right now as it ever will be. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. 1 John 4, 17 says, As he is, so are we. Where? In this world. Not after we get to heaven. As he is, so are we now in this world. Your spirit, in your spirit, you are identical to Jesus. You have all the spiritual forces on the inside of you that Jesus has. And once we're born again, then we are to find out what God has already provided. And the way we find that out is through the teaching of the word. Through the teaching of the word, we are to find out what God has already provided for us through grace. And churches where they do not teach the word, the people there never grow up spiritually. I don't care if they've been saved 30 years, they stay baby, immature Christians. And sadly, many drift back into the world uh, because they never find out what it means to be a new creation in Christ. They never find out what God has already provided for them. And like the first generation of Israelites, they wander around in the wilderness, sick, broke, complaining, never experiencing what God intended for them to enjoy. So here in Hebrews 4 verse 3, for we who have believed, do enter that rest. As he has said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. So God brought Israel out of Egypt to enter a place of rest and blessing where everything was provided for them. He didn't bring them out to die in the wilderness. That was not God's will. The first generation of Israelites did not enter in that place of rest because of unbelief, rebellion, and hardness of heart. 
Now, what is the spiritual application to us as New Testament believers? Well, in the same way that God had something better for the Israelites, he had something better than Egypt and better than the wilderness for the Israelites, God has more for us than just escaping hell. Amen. Hallelujah. He has provided more for us. God didn't want to bring us out of the dominion of Satan just to have us suffer uh, and trudge through this life living like unsaved people. That is not what God intended. So there has to be a spiritual entering in for the people of God into this place of rest. And this is talking about you and me. So this rest or this Sabbath is talking about a spiritual place where we are trusting in what grace has already provided and we're not trusting in ourselves to make it happen. God has provided a place of rest for us, a place of victory, joy, peace, blessing, divine health and protection. Most Christians don't even know such a place exists. Most Christians are not being taught what we're teaching here. And faith begins where the will of God is known. You can only have faith in what you have heard. You can't have faith in something that you don't even know about. Most Christians hear something along these lines. Come to Jesus, get saved, escape hell, trudge through this life, and look forward to your promised land one day in heaven. That pretty well sums up the way many Christians live and what they hear in church. Our promised land is not in heaven. It is victorious living here on this earth through our new covenant and through the promises of God. Now, it's not automatic. Just like for the Israelites, it was not automatic that they entered the promised land. There were obstacles. There were barriers. Uh, and just like the Israelites, we have obstacles and we have barriers. For the Israelites, it was the giants and the walled cities. Those were, those were barriers to them entering in. They had to fight to enter in. Uh, we have barriers to overcome. We have to fight to enter in uh, to the promises of God and our inheritance and what God has provided for us. Now, Hebrews 4, um, 5, And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Now this is this is a uh, a scripture from Psalm 95 where David's speaking here 
And David speaks of another rest, God's rest, which was not fulfilled when Israel eventually did enter the promised land. He says there's another rest available. There's another rest that, that was not fulfilled when Israel physically entered the land. Verse 8, For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not have afterward have spoken of another day? Now, in the King James, it says Jesus. In other translations, the New King James, it says Joshua. I've got a number five by the name Jesus here, and if you go over to the center reference, it says Joshua. So this is talking about Joshua. Um, because Joshua is a Hebrew name, Jesus is the Greek name, okay? So it means uh, Savior. So, so um, the King James says, if Jesus had given them rest, but he's talking about Joshua. If Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. So if, they, if this entering in, this place of rest, if it had been completely fulfilled uh, by Joshua leading them in, then they wouldn't be talking about another uh, rest that's available for us. Verse 9, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. So this is again saying this rest that's available for us was not fulfilled uh, with Joshua bringing the people into their promised land. Verse 10, for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. I'm going to read that again. For he who has entered his rest, God's rest, has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. So this is talking about trusting in the finished work of Jesus, not trusting in your own works. You're not striving. You're not stressing trying to get God to do something. You're not taking the pressure of it. You're not taking on the care of trying to make something happen. Uh, you're not trying to get God to move on your behalf. You're not trying to do all these uh, exercises and ticking off all the right boxes, trying to move God into doing something. You're not trusting in your works to move God. Uh, because there's a tendency to want to take on the responsibility to try to make something happen. But this is talking about you have ceased from your works to make this thing happen the same way God ceased from his works on day seven of creation. You're trusting in God. You're relying in him and his word. Your faith is in the finished, complete work of God, where God has supplied every need in the New Testament, in our new covenant. It's comparing 
the finished work to the finished work of God in creation. And, and he says there's a, a place of rest. There's a place of rest to come to. Um, God anticipated whatever it is that you're dealing with, God anticipated it in advance, in advance, just like he anticipated sin and all the consequences that it would bring into the, the earth. So we can cease from our own works, begging and pleading God to do something. We can rest in the truth that God has already supplied everything we will ever need. Amen. Yes. And our, uh, we place our faith in his finished work. Now hold your place there in Hebrews 4 and turn over a few pages to 1 Timothy 6.12, which is one of the verses we looked at last time. First Timothy six twelve. Uh, the New King James says, "Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold." Now the words "lay hold" means to take hold of, to seize something. Sometimes with hostile intent. To seize sometimes with hostile intent. So this is not talking about something that's passive. This is not a passive action. This is a dominating, forceful type of possession. Now, here in 1 Timothy 6.12, we see fight the good fight of faith, lay hold. We just read in Hebrews 4 about entering into rest. So, on the surface, this appears to be a contradiction. Are we fighting or are we resting? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> do, do we fight the good fight of faith or do we rest in faith? We do both. We do both. We are not fighting to get healed. Amen? No. We're not fighting to get healed. We fight because you are already healed and the devil's trying to take it away from you. That's the fight. That's the fight. Our fight of faith is to keep the devil from stealing our healing that Jesus has already provided. And if you will make that adjustment and that change in your thinking, if you will get this revelation, that you are not the sick trying to get healed, you are the healed, and the devil is trying to make you sick. And if you will grab hold of that, I'm telling you, things will begin to change. I'm not saying I am all there yet, but I can remember hearing Brother Copeland talk about along these lines, and I heard him say, don't see yourself as the sick trying to get healed, See yourself is already healed and the devil's trying to steal it and make you sick. And when I got, when that clicked in me, I mean, I every, when I'd have a symptom of something, man, I mean, I would jump on that thing like a gorilla. 
And that's what you got to do. You don't passively just sit down and start begging God, I don't know why he doesn't heal me. We're already healed. Amen. The devil's trying to make us sick. And our fight is to resist these symptoms and to resist what the devil's trying to put on us and stand in faith for the healing that's already ours. Amen. Amen. Someone was saying that the symptoms are like temptation is to sin. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, 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 you have to pass it up. <laughs> you know, you have the opportunity to, to sin and you pass it up. We have the opportunity to, to for, you know, be sick and we got to say, no, I'm passing it up. We're passing up the Chinese virus, amen? We're passing up the flu, we're passing up the shingles, and we're passing up the pneumococcal pneumonia and everything else. Amen? Hallelujah. So when those symptoms come, you say, no, devil, I'm passing this up. This does not belong to me. I'm already healed, and you're not making me sick. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, go back to Hebrews 4, verse uh, 11. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Now, here the word labor, the King James, I think the New King James says be diligent or something like that. Uh, the word labor here means to exert oneself, to make every effort... Give diligence, strain every nerve. So this is going all out, isn't it? To exert oneself, to make every effort, and to strain every nerve. To enter the rest. This is, uh, this is laboring to enter our rest. When we say, I am already healed, and I'm already blessed. Amen? And the devil's not putting sickness or poverty or anything of the curse on me in Jesus' name. Devil, you can't make me sick. I'm already healed. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So this is the fight. We're fighting to defend the healing Jesus has already provided and everything else in the new covenant. In his promises, he's already provided. This is the fight of faith. Not fighting to get God to do something. Not fighting to change God's mind. The fight of faith is, is uh, resisting the devil and what he's trying to put on us. You know, Frank, you've been in the military, haven't you? It's much easier to defend. If, you've, if you're on a hill, it's much easier to defend that place from a high position than to be on the bottom, on the offense, trying to go take that hill. So we're already, we're already in a high position. We're, we're already healed. We're already blessed. And it's much easier to defend that than it is to see yourself sick or broke or whatever and trying to get healed and trying to get blessed. Secondly, our fight is to cast down thoughts and feelings of fear and stand and fight against unbelief. This is a second uh, area where we fight the good fight of faith. We fight to cast down thoughts and feelings of fear and stand and fight against unbelief. Um, 
Jesus said you don't need a lot of faith. He said if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this tree, move from here to there, and it will obey you. Amen? You don't need uh, faith the size of a piano. He said the size of a mustard seed uh, is enough to, to speak to this, this tree and tell it to move from here to there. The, the, um, uh, so we don't have to do something to make God move. God moved one time when he sent Jesus to the cross. He moved one time and he's not coming back down here again. Amen? To do something about it. We've got the word in our heart and in our mouth and we've got authority over the devil on this earth. Amen? So, the problem with the Israelites was this area of unbelief. Fighting, standing and fighting against the unbelief. This is what kept the Israelites out. This is what kept them from entering the land. It wasn't the giants that kept them out. It wasn't the wall cities. It was the unbelief and the fear that kept them out. Verse 12. What's the difference between unbelief and doubt? Uh, let's talk about that afterwards, okay? Um, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. This is how you get into that rest and stay into that rest of faith. When, you, when your mind is trying to go wild on you and telling you you don't have it, you're not going to get it, and all these reports and something negative, if you got the Word of God in there and you put the Word of God in there and it gets in your heart and in your mind, the Word will pierce through all this junk. It'll pierce through all this fear and unbelief and it will anchor your soul where you are stable and you are not moved. Now, once you enter this rest and you get in this place of rest, the next day the devil may come along with uh, an unexpected bill that you weren't expecting, you know, or, or a diagnosis or something to try to move you out of this place of rest. So we're not going to be moved. Amen? We're going to enter this rest of faith, trusting in God, trusting in his finished work, and we're not going to let the devil move us out of it. When other people are freaking out, you can be calm, stable, in faith, and in rest. Amen? I've experienced it. I've been there at least a few times. Amen? And I'm, I'm learning more about it. But, but I, I have uh, experienced it a few times. You know, you, you, you hear a bad report or some bad news or something, and it just doesn't upset you. It just doesn't upset you. Why? Because your heart is fixed trusting in the Lord, and that word will rise up on the inside of you. And, and you say, this is, this is nothing for God, you know. Uh, I've got, a, I've got a, another report. Yes. Amen? i got another report. i got a different report. Hallelujah. And that word will rise up on the inside of you. So the reason we get into the word and labor uh, is to change us, not God. Uh, 
It's not to change his attitude toward me, it's to change my attitude toward God. So we need to mix faith with what God said. Amen? And believe what Jesus has already done and rest in it. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we labor, we fight to enter into the rest. That's the fight. It's not fighting to, to get God to do something. It's not taking the responsibility on ourselves to make this thing happen and doing works and striving and struggling. It's resting in the, in the finished work of Jesus where every need is supplied and we, and we resist the devil uh, and we don't let him steal it from us and we don't let him take it away from us and we enter into this rest, rest of faith, amen? So let's enter into that rest right now. Let's say this together. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have already done. You suffered sickness, so I wouldn't have to be sick. You suffered sin and took the punishment for me. Healing, prosperity, peace, joy, protection. I rest in the finished work of Jesus. I believe you are working miracles right now. I believe you are working miracles right now. I receive all the benefits of what Jesus has already provided. And I rest in that. And I rest in that. Amen. Amen.